This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Here we go, hour three. A great day for talk radio. We're all locked and loaded. Been uh, rather eventful from the hop. Jody Wilson-Raybould and her testimony before the Justice Committee. Rather uh, explosive, I guess, is the word that's being bandied about. And there's other testimony. Donald Trump's former attorney, Michael Cohen. Uh, we can touch on that, too, here as we introduce our roundtable into Hour 3 of the midweek edition of The Oakley Show. Catherine Swift, former president and CEO of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business and current spokesperson for Working Canadians. Catherine, thanks so much for coming in. I, I love driving in this weather, too. <laughs> Do you? Okay. Do you <laughs> have a dog sled? My, te- test out my Subaru Forester. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, they're, they're great in snow, so. <laughs> oh, there, there you put in the my plug. My pleasure to be here. <laughs> Good to have you. And John Turley, you is with us, risk management consultant specializing in capital markets with extensive experience on Bay and Wall Streets. And you got the big truck, too, John. I do. I've got the big truck, and I'm looking for, forward to a, a good day of truth-telling, John. <laughs> well, you know what? <laughs> the interesting thing is it was a truth beyond maybe what some of us expected. Jody Wilson-Raybould in her testimony. In case you missed it, I mean, we'll synopsize for you. Here are Jody Wilson-Raybould's opening remarks earlier today. For a period of approximately four months between September and December of 2018, I experienced a consistent and sustained effort by many people within the government to seek to politically interfere in the exercise of prosecutorial discretion in my role as the Attorney General of Canada in an inappropriate effort to secure a deferred prosecution agreement with SNC-Lavalin. Within these conversations, there were expressed statements regarding the necessity of interference in the SNC-Lavalin matter, the potential of consequences, and veiled threats if a DPA was not made available to SNC. A few weeks later, on January the 7th, 2019, I was informed by the Prime Minister that I was being shuffled out of the role of Minister of Justice and Attorney General of Canada. Remember those buzz phrases, veiled threats, political interference, undue pressure. She then dropped this bombshell, listen. My Chief of Staff said that this would obviously be perceived as interference and her boss questioning the DPP's decision. Mathieu said that if, six months from the election... SNC announces they're moving their headquarters out of Canada. That is bad. He said, quote, we can have the best policy in the world, but we need to get reelected, end quote. We need to get reelected. And then she had a meeting with the prime minister. He reminded her that uh, he, too, is an elected MP from Quebec. Give a listen. The prime minister asked me to help out, to find a solution here for SNC citing that if there is no DPA, there would be many jobs lost and that SNC would move from Montreal. In response, I explained to him the law. Further, I further stated that I was very clear on my role as the Attorney General and that I am not prepared to issue a directive in this case that it would not be appropriate. The Prime Minister again cited the potential loss of jobs and SNC moving. There you go. Well, uh, that really wraps it up in a nutshell. There were sort of ancillary points being made throughout the course of the afternoon, but you get the idea. Uh, explosive John turley Ewart. I mean, did she do, uh, let's say, irrevocable damage, irreparable harm to the Prime Minister and people in the PMO? Well, let me put my old journalist hat on here. Mm. <clears throat> and I would say, look, there's always two sides to a story. Uh, and it's important to hear uh, what uh, the government says uh, in response to this. Uh, at the same time, she came across uh, as credible. Uh, former prosecutor uh, documented her conversations, has, uh, you know, the evidence at hand. 
I think the question really is, is, is now what happens next? How, do, how does the government respond to this? I mean, she certainly uh, singled out the finance minister, um, his chief of staff, uh, the obviously uh, Gerald Butts, Katie Telford in the prime minister's office, the prime minister himself, also the clerk of the Privy Council. Uh, like this, she hit all the biggest players in the, in the liberal government right now. And so the question they all have to ask themselves is, what's next? And the other question that has to be asked by the RCMP is, what do they do now as well? Because they've been put in the spotlight. I don't know if there's obstruction of justice here, but if there isn't, the RCMP is going to have to come forward and explain why there isn't charges of obstruction of justice, or at least an investigation. That might be the animation that this is really criminal in nature, is it, Catherine? Well, it's it's looking it's looking like it's heading that way. I mean, it's funny because I was thinking of the, the you know what we've seen to date about the Vice Admiral Norman case is that nobody ever takes notes in this government. Ready? Oh no, I, we don't have any notes on that meeting. We have no notes. Well, it's clear Judy Raybould, uh, Wilson Raybould took meticulous notes, and I mean, I was impressed. I heard the whole her whole presentation today, and I boy, it was it was damning. It it was just so organized, you know, methodical. Boom, boom, but you know, and this date, this happened. Quotes, uh, chapter and very, verse. oh yeah, it but, was, it was know, the, uh, amazingly the, the key, detailed and thought out and right. credible. But the key thing about it, though, is it's grounded in constitutional principle, and you know, the, the the people I've heard trying to you know defend the liberals were saying, well, jobs are important, politics is important, but she has very clearly uh, uh, entrenched her position in defending a constitutional principle in Canada. And then uh, towards the end of her testimony, uh, powerfully noted that when people do not follow principles, legal principles in, in Canada, she has seen firsthand what the result of that is for Indigenous peoples. That was a powerful way to bring forward that statement. And I think most Canadians would agree that we are a country of rule of law. We have to follow that. And I don't see how the Liberals come out of this looking like you know, that they want to govern like we're some backward, you know, backwater somewhere. Well, you mentioned that last week when we had this discussion in the uh, lead up to, I guess, as this was gaining currency, uh, that the rule of law is a foundational principle. And despite the notion that jobs would be lost in Quebec or part of, you know, the corporate firmament in Quebec is uh, well entrenched with SNC-Lavalin and a lot of these other big players, and therefore it's not something that's insignificant. But you said if we really, it's a linchpin. If you don't subscribe to the rule of law, then where do you go after that? And she dialed it back to historical uh, precedent where the rule of law has been abrogated or it's been uh, just totally scuttled in dealings with indigenous people. Again, that's a touchstone to even the progressives can't deny that, you know, and this is where she's played that hand. I'm wondering somewhere down the road if uh, this is just burnishing her reputation and profile for the long game. And maybe one day she finds herself leading a major national party, uh, i.e. the Liberals, if they'll still have her. I don't know, Catherine, do you think there's part of that in the end game? Well, I don't think, you know, I think just seeing what we've seen of a number of statements she's made to date, there, I don't think there's any questions. She's she's acutely aware of her own, you know, uh, profile position and, and anything she says will not detract from that. No question about it. But, uh, you know, when you get to the rule of law, part of this also, a, a key, key part, 
is, and this should resonate, I think, with every Canadian, is there's different rules for some people than there is for the rest of us chickens. Right. And, and that, that is the real kicker here is that the, the buddies, and, and it's not just jobs. I mean, the thing is that these are people that have contributed often illegally to the Liberal Party of Canada, tons of money over the So it's the years. crony capitalism. Of course it's crony space. capitalism. Absolutely. Well, Absolutely. And, but, and the worst part of this is this is a Liberal Party that has pretended to be for working people. The middle class and those aspire to that. Today, they look like corporate toadies. Nothing else other than corporate toadies trying to ensure that their buddies who give them money out of SNC-Lavalin somehow got to skirt um, the law. That's what it looks like. Well, and then to compound it or punctuate the point, uh, she does testify that Katie Telford, chief of staff to the prime minister, uh, had, quote, uh, would line up all kinds of people to write op-eds. Yeah, and so this this is uh, I, I I zoned in on that that piece as well because that's so important because if you look at the towers in Bay Street, they're filled with with liberal liberals in there, uh, and all they have to do is pick up the phone, and this is the way it works in this country, and start talking to your friends who've got legal experience and so forth, and they've called the Globe and Mail and the Toronto Star and whatever, and they start putting those op-eds in there, making it look like what they're doing has credibility. I mean, that was such a poignant comment to make because it's about how you can sway the public regardless if it's actually correct. Well, and we've already seen evidence of that if you've been following some of the editorials or op-ed pieces in the Toronto Star, for well, example. I, ha- I, I can't wait to see Heather Malick's next column. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> her last one was, nothing to see here, guys. Yeah, exactly. Time to move on. Mm. Well, Miss Malick, I think there's something to see here. Right. A smoking gun of sorts. And then the other thing has to do with, uh, again, there are so many appendages or dimensions to the story. The cronyism for a Quebec-based company contrasted against what happens out west, and this whole Trudeau gambit has proven to be highly divisive to the point where people out west are talking now about separation, if you will. I mean, there's great disaffection, and this just going to compound that, isn't it, Catherine? Well, of course it is, and I mean, it's already awful, so I don't know even how much worse it can get. But I mean, I hear, I talk to a lot of people out West regularly, and, and I hear it's worse than the first Trudeau go-around, which was pretty awful uh, back in the day. And and the time it takes to heal those rifts in our country is a very long time. They don't just go away if you get a new government that's more but, conciliatory, conciliatory to that part of the country. But the, the other thing that struck me behind this testimony and some of the things that came out was the immense arrogance of all of those people in the PMO, the clerk of the Privy Council. Wow, he's in this right up to his neck. Um, and the one thing that stuck out, there's a lot of things that stick Bill out. Bill Morneau's in thing, there? More, oh, yeah, Morneau's in there like 11 crazy. in total that you uh, named. It, it's just, it's, yeah, the, it, it's all, all of the top players are, are in there. But what struck me was, that, and this didn't come out in her actual statement, it came out in the, in the questioning, um, was she, when, when asked, you know, about her demotion, she said that she asked Butts directly. Um, is my demotion to do with SNC, the SNC-Lavalin. And he said, are you questioning the integrity of the prime minister? <laughs> and whoa, that statement to me just knocked my socks off. I thought, boy, what arrogance. Well, all right, but in the context then of all that's transpired now and what we know now, uh, does that explain why Butts resigned? Well, it, it could be a part of it. That oh, occurred absolutely. to me when I started to hear some of the stuff well, that he oh, was integrally involved with. But Telford's in it right up to her ears, too. Well, that's why I'm <laughs> saying, you know, uh, why would he fall on his sword and not the others? And what was it specific to him? Unless there's something we still don't know about uh, that 
you know, she wasn't able to testify after her tenure at AG was up. Exactly. So, so there was, uh, I think most of us who read uh, Mr. Butt's statement after he resigned felt that uh, when he declared his innocence, he declared it because he knew there was an accusation coming. Right. And perhaps he was hoping that his resignation might temper what she would bring forward because she had drawn some blood. Uh, His job. Uh, That's not happened. Obviously, it didn't temper her her uh, comments at all. And I think she very much wants Canadians to know what happened. And and like this was like the old boys. Uh, the, the Liberal Party was supposed to be something new. Mm. It was like the old boys beating up, you know, the, this attorney general trying to hold uphold the law. It's extraordinary. And it the is. relentlessness of it. That's the other thing. And, and again, when we heard the, you know, the, 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 the whole progression of this over time, and it was... And think it, about how this is going to be... You don't take no for an answer, that's yeah. for sure. And how, it just how, kept going and going. How many times do you have to say no to Justin Trudeau exactly. before he... he, he said, uh, listens. You, you wouldn't take no for an answer. Uh, what's interesting, but he sees, I guess, women perceiving things differently than men. <laughs> However, uh, I love it. I'm sure Jerry Butt's last words before he decided to resign. You, you mean she kept notes? Yeah. Uh, all right, we'll come back. Uh, we'll discuss more on this matter and then dovetail to uh, other considerations here on this wicked uh, white wintry Wednesday. And the road conditions we'll keep you apprised of as well. With Catherine Swift, John Turley, Ewart and House, The Oakley Show continues at Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.